Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 59 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I am joined, as always, as most of the time, by my panel member, my co-host, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. Good to have you back. Right, we're going to dive straight into part one. Part one, of course. We're back to normal now. Last week, it was a bit of a crazy schedule. We had three guests on. This week, we're back to normal. And we're going to dive into part one, which, of course, if you've listened before, consists of the review part. So we're going to just fly through this as quick as we can, because there's quite a bit to go over on this week's show. So we're going to start with a card that took place over in Spain. Just one fight to mention over there. Top of the bill, Kiko Martinez, of course, former world champion he picked up a points win over eight rounds Uh, his opponent was well he had a losing record he was always going to win this fight it was just really a keep busy fight he seems to have a lot of these fights in spain i don't really see the point but kiko martinez his new record is now 36 wins seven losses and of course that one draw that's it for spain we're now going to come over to the uk we're going to start with a card that took place on friday over in the brentwood center of course in brentwood essex Uh, top of the bill i'm going to start with the top of the bill fight uh, to be honest lee markham now, he took on Andrew Robinson. Both of these guys lost, but gave really a good account of themselves against Frank Bullioni. So it was quite a bit of a war when they fought Frank Bullioni. So this one was always shaping up like it was going to be a bit of a war. And I tell you what, we were not let down. It was a bit of a war here. It really, really was. Um, in my opinion, I think that Lee Markham nicked it and the judges agreed there. It was very close on the scorecards and all that. But um, Lee Markham picked up the unanimous decision after 10 rounds he seemed to land the more cleaner shots i think robinson's a bit um he's clever he's he's pretty skillful maybe the more skilled of the two fighters but i think that he just wasn't really landing clean enough he was he like i say was pretty he was pretty uh silky pretty pretty skillful but his shots weren't really landing clean they weren't really they were kind of skimming and he missed a lot and Markham I think he's kind of in your face type of fighter I think that uh, as well another another factor of that fight is that Robinson seemed to run out of steam a little bit both guys hurt each other multiple times in the fight it was a good fight but um, Lee Markham retains his English middleweight title there so all the best to him they both had like a post-fight interview where they were both talking about the fight and Andrew Robinson now he claimed it was a robbery I think he was a bit harsh he said if he has a rematch he's going to knock him out and I think Lee Markham I will just say he was being very very nice you know he was showing great sportsmanship after the fight and it was a bit distasteful to be honest to see Andrew Robinson kind of just dismissing it like yeah I'm going to knock him out if we get a rematch in so uh, a bit, bit disrespectful there but all the best to Lee Markham he won the fight at the end of the day so his record now 17 wins three losses and one draw Andrew Robinson, 18 wins and three losses. Still, you know, decent records for both guys there. Uh, Also on this bill, 
He defended his British welterweight title successfully here. Bradley Skeet, a big friend of the show, he cruised to 25 wins. Of course, he's got that one loss to Frankie Gavin in a really, really close fight. And Bradley Skeet picked up a unanimous decision win over John Fain. It was a closer fight than many anticipated going into the fight, to be honest. John Fain, I don't think he had all the notice in the world. I think he had maybe three weeks or something like that. I can't remember. I might have that... It might have been a bit longer than that, to be honest. But uh, yeah, Bradley Skeet, I thought he was going to wipe him out. But John Fain was actually taller than Bradley Skeet. Both guys, I think John Fain's six foot two. I think Bradley Skeet's six foot one. Both guys, it's, it's crazy how they can make one four seven. But um, both guys were like giants in there. And, uh, you know, Bradley Skeet's so used to punching down. This time he had to punch up. He got the job done, but it was a little bit rough and tumble over the 12 rounds. But as I say, he retains his belt. So good stuff there for good friend of mine, uh, Bradley Skeet. So all the best to him. Also on that bill, Boy Jones Jr. Um, he started the fight pretty good against his opponent, Martin Hillman. Um, but Boy Jones Jr., to be honest, he, he kind of... He should have got him out of there, really. I think the fight went the full 10 uh, rounds. He won on points, and he picked up the vacant Southern Area title. But Boy Jones Jr., not very impressive there, to be completely honest. But another win for him. He's now 11-0. and Of course, he's got that one draw. Also on that bill, a guy that I like to watch, he's a tough, tough guy. Johnny Coyle, he is a seriously good fighter. He's just signed with MGM Marbella as well. He's a young talent. He moved to 16-0 and with a points win over six rounds. So good stuff for him. Also on the bill, Sanjeev Sahota, he cruised to 5-0. and I say cruised. It wasn't really a great performance by him either, but he got the job done against a, a serious journeyman called Gula uh, Tolozzi. I don't think that's a name that many would have heard of at home. And also on that bill, Anthony Yard, the B, he moved to 9-0 with another knockout inside the first round. He beat Ferenc Albert. Um, it was actually a left hook to the body that stopped that contest. Um, I actually thought he went down a little bit soft in my opinion. I really did. But um, the following day... I saw Anthony Yard. I was sitting at the box in there. You know, Matram did a show on the Saturday that we're going to get onto in a few minutes' time. And I was sitting there. I was watching the boxing. And then I seen a big pair of legs come and stand next to me. Crash. Someone sat down. I've turned there. And it's Anthony Yard. And, of course, he slapped my hand off almost. You know, how are you doing? And uh, it's always, he's a complete nice guy. It's lovely, lovely to catch up with him every single time. And I said, the guy looked like he went down a little bit easy. And he went... Be honest with you, mate, I think I might have broke a couple of his ribs. So, uh, yeah, you know, and the yard, we really know he turns and punches over properly. And uh, that man, Ferenc Albert, may be out for quite a while. So another good win there for Anthony Yard. Despite the shot not looking amazing, he he could have probably broke a few bones with a shot that doesn't look too amazing. So great stuff there for him. And also on this bill, I will say, Harley Ben was supposed to be on it. This one, we're still talking about that bill over in Brentwood. I'm going to try and whiz through it as quick as I can. Uh, also on the bill, as I said, Harley Ben was supposed to fight, but he apparently didn't have the right paperwork submitted. So I don't know what's going on there, but, you know, he's now going to be fighting on a future card, but he, he didn't have the right paperwork submitted. So he wasn't allowed to fight, which is a rookie mistake there um, from his handlers, I suppose, Frank Warren. And also on the bill, Nathaniel Wilson, that's the son of Chris Eubank senior, his son that has nothing to do with him. He was very unimpressive here. Uh, he actually drew with a man called Josh Fawn, who only had one win on his record and five losses. And they drew over four rounds. So Nathaniel Wilson now three wins, zero losses, and he's got, 
that one draw, that minor blemish there. But uh, not very impressive from him. But that's it for the Brentwood card. I've got I've took quite a while there talking about the whole thing. So to be honest, I'm going to try to whiz for it, try to be a little bit quicker now. Uh, over in Argentina, this one was on the Saturday. Fabian Maidana, that's the younger brother of Marcos Maidana, he picked up a knockout win in round two. This one was for the vacant WBA Feder Bowl Super Welterweight title. So he's a 154 fighter. So he's just a few pounds heavier than his brother. Wink, wink. His brother's probably a heavyweight at the moment, if you see the recent pictures. But he had his opponent down in the second round. And the fight was called a halt. So he's now 11-0. and And we should really keep our eyes open and our ears open for Fabian Maidana. Because he seriously carries his brother's punch. He really can bang. And now I'm going to move over to that card I was just talking about, that Matrim card. We're going to start with the fight that was top of the bill, the main event, I should say. It wasn't top of the bill on TV. Uh, the John Wayne Hibbert fight was. But I'm going to start with the main event. O'Hara Davies, he cruised to 14-0. and His opponent, Andrea Scarpa, of course, we thought that he was going to put up a good fight. He lost every single round. Um, I've got to be completely honest. We had O'Hara on the show last week, and you know I'm a big fan of his. And I don't think it was necessarily his fault, but it was such a boring fight. It was so boring. It was one of the most boring fights I've ever seen. And um, it went the whole 12 rounds, which was just horrible, you know? Uh, the first few rounds were good. I, like I say, I'm not knocking O'Hara. I really think he he done really well. When he uses that jab, man, he, there's just nothing you could do. And when he was sticking the jab out, Scarpa had no idea what to do to get round it. He's got freakishly long arms, O'Hara Davies. So um, a good win for him, but very unimpressive stuff from Scarpa. But as I say, it takes two to tango to make a fight proper interesting. So, uh, O'Hara Davis now 14-0, and he retains the W... Well, he doesn't retain. He won it. He won it. It was uh, it was Scarpa's belt. He's now the WBC Silver Super Lightweight Champion. So all the best there to O'Hara Davis. Also on the bill, Martin J. Ward. Now, I was actually sitting next to his dad, and uh, one side of my head was completely numb. My ear was almost... Uh, I could hardly hear anything from it. It almost went deaf. His dad was screaming the whole fight. But I actually think... He got the job done a lot wider, in my opinion, than what the judges had it. Some judges had one round in the fight, and uh, I honestly think he won a serious majority of those of those rounds. And I don't want to upset any Scottish listeners that may be listening, but um, Ronnie Clark, he didn't disgrace himself. He was very, very awkward, man. Very, very awkward. Something to do with that, that red hair that he was sporting on the nights. But... Um, yeah, nonetheless, Martin J. Ward moves to 16-0. and Of course, he's got the two draws, and he successfully retained his British super featherweight title. He was actually down in round 10 as well. That was a big round there for Ronnie Clark, who has a record now of 17 wins, four losses, and two draws. Also on the bill, again, we had him on last week's show. It was heartbreaking to see it. Ben Hall, he stepped up in class hugely, tried to capture his 10th win. He's only, you know, he's only a youngster. He's only had a, a bunch of fights. He really shouldn't have stepped it up that early. We're all experts when we look back now, but he got in there against tricky veteran Carson Jones. It was Carson Jones' 54th fight and he picked up his 40th career win he's done very very well when he's come over to the uk carson jones i was discussing it with a few boxing fans ringside he really has, has done well in pretty much all of his fights over here and i know that ben hall was absolutely heartbroken he put up a good fight while it lasted he hurt his right hand i think he might have broke his right knuckle something like that well one of his knuckles in his right hand 
and then I think he dislocated his shoulder or something like that. Something he had a bad problem with his left shoulder and his right hand, so he pretty much couldn't do anything. You know, he was just using the jab, and his jab was very effective. And in fact, he was loading up with some left hooks that were catching Carson Jones. He hurt him a couple of times, but ultimately. Ben Hall's corner threw in the towel in round six. So Carson Jones picks up the WBC International Silver Super Welterweight title. And Ben Hall will have to go back and come again, unfortunately. But all the best to him. John Wayne Hibbert was also on that bill. He got knocked out in round four by Martin Geffen. Uh, John Wayne Hibbert, of course, you know, I think that's it for him. I think he's actually retired, I believe, after the fight. I, I hope he stays retired. He's a lovely, lovely guy, really is. You can't meet many nicer in this game than than John Wayne Hibbert, but he shouldn't really be losing to Martin Geffen. And Martin Geffen, no disrespect to him at all, but uh, he had accepted this fight on late notice as well. So really, uh, John Wayne Hibbert really should have done the job here. So really disappointing stuff from him. Also on the bill, Ted Cheeseman moved to 7-0 with a TKO over Lloyd Ellert in the second round. Lloyd Ellert now... 20 wins and two losses. So uh, although he had Lloyd Hunnigan in his corner, well, not in his corner, he was actually in the crowd, but he was part of his team for the build-up and the training and what have you. So Lloyd Ella, he couldn't be helped by Lloyd Hunnigan and Ted Cheeseman got the job done. But I think Lloyd Ella had a good start to the fight. And I don't want to throw too many question marks, but I think it maybe could have gone on a little, a few more seconds. I think the referee was a little quick to jump in, but that's just my opinion. Also on this bill, a huge shock. Jake Ball got knocked out in the first round. This one was for the vacant WBA International Light Heavyweight title. Now, Jake Ball, within about 10 seconds of the first bell, he landed a punch on JJ McDonough, another man that came into this fight with seriously short notice. He only had a matter of days or something, I believe, um, for, for preparations here. His record was 13-3. and three. Jake Ball, you know, we've all heard about his great sparring with James DeGaulle. We all hear that he can handle himself in the gym amongst great great fighters and he's looked brilliant he really really has and he's been on the show um, a few months back as well but Jake Ball he hurt JJ McDonough within like the first 10 or 12 seconds of the fight and I think Jake Ball is a bit of a problem of his once he feels well once he lands a good a good shot and he actually feels that he's hurt someone a little bit which he did he jumps in and goes crazy he throws absolutely everything so while he was absolutely just swinging and windmilling and throwing every single shot you could think of you know he really tries to get you out of there once he's hit you and I think he's got to be more patient he just tried to jump all over him and while he did that he got hit with a shot out of nowhere you know one of those shots that he didn't see come in and one of those shots that JJ McDonough just threw with hope that it hits him I don't even think he was looking he just threw a wild shot and it caught Jake Ball and it backed him up and then the momentum changed and JJ McDonough uh, jumped all over him started hitting him he actually knocked him out of the ring and then you know he had to climb back in under the bottom rope and as I say, when he got back up, J.J. McDonough landed a few more shots and then knocked him cold out, and he was completely out. The whole arena went silent. No one could believe what they had just seen. And uh, the ambulance, you know, they all jumped in there. It was quite worrying at first. It really, really was. So uh, we wish Jake Ball the best, but that was, you know, that's a big question mark there. And it's not like he only lost because of a lucky punch. He was getting beaten up since the first punch landed. It wasn't like a quick knockout. He was getting bashed up. He really was. So 
are big question marks there for a man to come into that fight um, with not a tremendous record, a decent record, 13 and 3 from JJ McDonough, but he only had about a handful of days' notice and he's come in there and beat a prospect like Jake Ball. That's serious question marks now uh, towards Jake Ball. Also on the bill, Reese Bellotti, he picked up the English. Uh, featherweight title. So Reese Bellotti now 8-0 with a win over Ian Bailey. Ian Bailey retired in round seven. Bellotti's a good fighter. I really, really think he is. And he was actually sitting front row after his fight. You know, he came out with his belt over his shoulder. He was sitting in the front row. And the seat he was sitting in, Arge from The Only Way is Essex, was sitting in his seat. And he come over and said, oh, you're in my seat. And Arge went, oh, sorry, mate, I'll move. And he moved. And then Bellotti sat down for about 10 seconds and he went, all right, Arge, you can have my seat back. Go on, I'll go and sit in that seat that you just sat in in about row five or six. What a nice character. So all the best there to Reese Bellotti. He's now 8-0, he's undefeated, and he is from the same stable, the same training camp as Jake Ball. So I hope that... Uh, well, you know, a win and a loss on that card for those guys. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're good people. They really, really are. And I wish them all the best. The whole camp also on the bill. Charlie Edwards, he closed out the year on a high. He picked up a TKO victory in round three. This one was at super flyweight. Uh, I think he may be eyeing a move to super flyweight. So he's now nine and one, of course, that one loss to John Real Casemiro back on September the 10th. So Charlie Edwards closes out the year on a high there and he's back to winning ways. So all the best to him. Craig Spider Richards was also on the bill. He moved to seven and oh, he picked up a TKO in round two, a good win for him against an experienced journeyman. Felix Cash got a knockout in the first round over Sam Wall. So Felix Cash is now four and oh. And he gets his fights done very businessman-like. You know, I think Felix Cash is seriously one to watch out for. He really is an exciting fighter. The way he puts his shots together is really, really tremendous. Very uh, powerful shots, very quick hands as well. So it's great to see there from Felix Cash, of course, super middleweight. And also on the bill, Katie Taylor, she made her debut she picked up a TKO in round three over Karina Kapinska. So a great start to her career there from Katie Taylor. Danny Dignam was also on the bill. He picked up a TKO victory in the second round. So he's now 1-0. So good stuff there for Danny Dignam. But that's it for the big card at Wembley Arena there. We're now going to go over to the Motor Point Arena. Not the one in Sheffield, but one over in Cardiff Wales. Top of the bill, Terry Flanagan. He moved to 32-0 with a TKO in the eighth round over Orlando Cruz. Of course, that's the first, I think he's the first openly gay boxer. Um, he wanted to win a world title so badly and he was down twice in that round eight and Terry Flanagan was just too good for him all night, to be honest. He, he seemed to fr frustrate Orlando Cruz, who was a great boxer in his early days, but he seems to have lost it in this day and age. But uh, Terry Flanagan, he, he's really a real good fighter. I can't wait to see what he does in 2017. So he ends his year on a high. Tommy Langford was in a fight against Sam Sheedy. This one was for the vacant British middleweight title, the title that Chris Eubank Jr. relinquished. And uh, Tommy Langford wasn't overly impressive. And in the 12th round, about 10 seconds from the final bell, a headbutt come in from Sam Sheedy. Well, I say a headbutt. It was a clash of heads. It wasn't nothing intentional, but that opened up a big cut on his eyebrow. So it's a good job that happened as late as it did. Otherwise, it might have caused some sort of 
trouble during that fight. But Tommy Langford picked up a split decision after 12 rounds, or a split decision win. And uh, Tommy Langford's now 18-0, and and Sam Sheedy 17-2. and Also on the bill, Tom Stalker, he lost out in his fight against Craig Evans. This one was another close fight between these guys. It was a 10-round majority decision in favour of Craig Evans, so he takes Tom Stalker's WBO European lightweight title. So Craig Evans now 15, uh, 16 wins, sorry, with the one loss and the two draws. And Tom Stalker, 11 wins, two losses and three draws. A record that really uh, doesn't tell you how good he is. I think he's been very, very unlucky, Tom Stalker. When he's been in the big fights, he just hasn't been able to perform. Also on that bill, Liam Williams, he got the job done in eight rounds against Gabor Gorbix. This was a good win for Liam Williams. He is a truly good fighter. I can't wait to see what his 2017 consists of as well. And he also picked up the vacant WBO European Super Welterweight title in this fight. So great stuff there for him. And the newly signing of Frank Warren, if I am not mistaken. I haven't seen anything go out about it, but it seems like he's signed with Frank Warren now. Kid Galahad, he was on that bill. He picked up his 21st career win with a TKO in round three over Ronaldo Moro. We've seen him over here a handful of times against other British fighters, but Kid Galahad got the job done in style, so great stuff for him. That's it for the UK. We're now going out to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in Las Vegas, USA. Top of the bill over there, I'm just going to talk about the one fight, Vassal Lomachenko against Nicholas Walters. Lomachenko moved to seven wins. Of course, he's got that one loss, that crazy fight against Orlando Salido where he was about five times Lomachenko's weight in that fight. It was a bit strange. And uh, Nicholas Walters, of course, 26-0 and 0 with the one draw. Well, he's now got the one loss as well. So I'm going to talk about the fight. This one was for Lomachenko's WBO World Super Featherweight title. Short but sweet, really. Walters retired in round seven. I'm going to tell you what happened. Walters, I think they might have said that Walters, a lot of, I was was listening to the commentary. I think that they said that Walters might have picked up the second round. And I think that's probably the only round you could give him. Lomachenko's footwork is always exceptional. It was once again, he was, you know, uh, stepping in, stepping out, throwing a lot of shots. His variation of punches is absolutely incredible. We've seen him do this. He's, he's just absolutely phenomenal fighter. He really, really is. The only chance that a lot of people were giving Nicholas Waters was the chance that he may be able to knock Lomachenko out because we know that Waters can really hit hard. Uh, a lot of people were actually predicting some kind of a late stoppage. Now, it didn't manage to go late. I saw a lot of people saying the eighth round was a round that he might get knocked out in. It didn't go that far. It really didn't. So basically, uh, Nicholas Walters couldn't work out Lomachenko. That's what I could make of it anyway. Just couldn't work him out. He was getting a bit frustrated. He was getting tagged. But the most important thing is he was not getting beaten up. He was losing, but he was not getting beaten up or hurt. And he decided by his own accord to pull out of the fight. Now, people go absolutely crazy when this happens and people were going absolutely crazy on Twitter. Some people saying some really, really nasty things. And, um, I mean, people don't like to see it. You know, people pay their money to their harder money to go and see boxing and to go and watch boxing. Um, to you know, they 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 spend their time watching it on the TV or going to the arena in in attendance. All the build up, everything like that. They get right behind a big super fight like that one was built up to be, and then Nicholas Walters 
decided simply that he'd had enough and he just decided to quit. And it wasn't his corner's decision. That's the most important thing. It was his decision. He said, no, I don't want no more. Now, I'm probably misquoting him here, but in a nutshell, basically, in other words, he said, I don't want no more. The referee checked about two or three times. He couldn't believe it. And his corner were really angry with Waters as well. They were like, what are you doing? You know, you could see their body language. They were really distressed with his decision. And um, he decided to pull himself out. And Lomachenko, of course, now moves to 7-1, and one, as I said. And he is looking phenomenal. But Nicholas Waters showed some serious quit in him there. And a lot of people were saying, look, he's 26-0. and 0, He's got the one draw. And, you know, everyone, there was a lot of hype behind him. He smashed up Nonito Donaire. He'd become a real big star from Jamaica. And now it's all gone in a matter of seven rounds, in a matter of something like 27 minutes. I think someone said it's all gone in 27 minutes. Your 27-0 or 26-0 fights. All your credibility is all gone in that, in that 27 minutes. So it's a shame there from Nicholas Waters to see him do that. And I really don't know what that was about. I know he'd come off of a bit of a layoff about 12 months or something, and he had all sorts of excuses in the post-fight interview. But I think there's no excuse good enough really to pull yourself out of a fight that you weren't getting bashed up in. You know, you were losing most of the rounds, but you weren't disgracing yourself. You know, it's a shame there. He's really, a lot of people won't want to see him fight again. A lot of people... Uh, that turns a lot of people off of the sport. Now, just quickly, Ayaz, before we end um, the review part, I've kind of whizzed through that. I haven't really asked you much, but I just want to, you know, to let you have a little opinion on, you know, just fighters that pull out. We've seen a lot of guys. It was like a no mass situation where a fighter just did not want to carry on. I mean, what's your opinion on fighters pulling themselves out of the fight rather than their corner stopping it? Basically, the only reason sometimes fighters pull out because they're either getting beaten up in the ring and it's getting dominated and they go, you know what, um, I can either seriously get knocked out or I can lose this fight on points. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's obvious, of course, but you know, in this fight, he wasn't, I mean, he was getting, he wasn't getting hurt. He wasn't getting bashed up. He was losing the rounds because Lomachenko was very crafty, but it wasn't like he hurt Walters at any point you know he just decided to go and I mean in my opinion as I think that kind of people people don't like to see that stuff you know there's a lot of comparison between UFC and boxing of course we've got to live with this every single day where people are both debating which sport's better but in UFC you know people go on the floor and it's all gory you know the, the, the breaking of legs the, the choking out and stuff like that and here we didn't even see a guy get hurt and he's decided to quit in a fight. This is bad for the sport of boxing. I'm sure you agree with that, right? Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. That's very bad. That's bad for the sport because sometimes they say that people may not be dedicated to the sport if they're going to retire like that. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Now, just before we end part one, as I say, we've got to bring on our first guest. But just before we bring him in, Ayaz has lined up this week's news. There's not too much to go over, but of course, Ayaz comes in with the news whenever he's here. So, Ayaz, please bring in this week's news. Okay. Tyrone Nurse has signed with Frank Warren Promotions. Yes, that one was a little bit of a surprise. I know that he's been fighting on a lot of um, Eddie Hearn shows that I've recently seen, Tyrone Nurse, but I don't know. Was he? Was he? I'm not sure if he was signed with Eddie Hearn or not. I, I really couldn't tell you that. I don't know if he had a promoter or what, but I know he's been on a lot of Sky Sports shows in his recent fights that I've seen. So I don't know if he's gone from Eddie to Frank or if he was just not promoted by anyone. I really don't know. It's bad on my on, on my 
part there. Uh, I should know, but I really don't know who he was promoted by. But anyway, he's with Frank Warren now. He's got a good record. A lot of a lot of people forget him, you know. A lot of people forget how much of a good record he's got. And he is a good fighter. But it would be interesting to see him moved up, perhaps, in a higher level. And maybe Frank Warren can do that with him. So that should be pretty interesting. I've got to be honest. So Tyrone Nurse, I'll be brutally honest here. He's not one of my favorite people to watch he's he's got a style that i don't really like watching but yeah anyway guys right, come in with the next piece of news please okay david hay will take on tony Bellew at the otorino march the 4th yes the press conference of course this week and um that is gonna be a fight i mean it's, it's one of those fights i has it's just purely been built up with trash talk it really has um it's gonna be a heavyweight of course so i think Eddie Hearn has sent a letter to the WBC saying that if we go up to heavyweights to take this one fight, can we keep our belt if we win, lose or draw the fight? Can we keep the belt at Cruiserweight? Uh, I think they're waiting on an answer from the WBC about that. I think that really he should be able to keep the belt because I like Tony Bellew, but I don't think he's going to win this fight against David Hay. So firstly, Ayaz, I will ask you, of course, we both know both of these guys. I don't know how much they genuinely hate each other or how much of it's just to build up the fight so that they can get a bit extra money in their pocket. It seems like the main reason for this fight is the money. You know that David Hay likes a pound note and so does, well, Tony Bellew hasn't really been in the big money earning fights, but now if he can shoot off his mouth against David Hay, he's going to be in a, in a big one here. This one's obviously going to be pay-per-view. Um, I haven't seen any any of the undercard fights announced yet. I think tickets have already gone on sale, or they go on sale uh, sometime this week. But um, what do you what do you make of it all? What do you think about the fight, firstly, and what or who do you reckon is going to win this fight as well? I personally think that David Hill will stop uh, Tony Bellew easily. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, what do you think of the fight? Do you think it's a complete mismatch, or what do you think? Um, see, Bellew going up to heavyweight. In my opinion, that's a big, big risk. And obviously, it's not just someone. It's David Hay, who's got a high percentage knockout. Right, with De- uh, Tony Bellew, he's, uh, obviously, his last fight, he knocked out uh, David Hay's friend, which is BJ Flores, and then called, and then trash-talked his way into this fight. Now, to be honest, David Hay, from from his last, obviously, when he was training with Adam Booth, right? Um, he was quite small for a heavyweight, but since his last two fights, he's put on a lot of muscle, so he's gone much big. He looks much more like a more of a heavyweight. And the way I see, I see David Hayes stopping Tony Belly early. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's anything to do with the fact that he's linked up with Shane McGuigan. I think that might have just been the inactivity. He might have piled on a bit of fat. Where he's where he's been inactive for a couple of years, and I think that he's turned that into muscle when he started working out, rather than losing that weight. But you know, he's looked pretty good. But then again, at the same time, you know, he he, he turned round and he, these opponents that we've seen, they haven't been great opponents. Uh, Tony Bell, you said a statement the other day that the two guys that David Hay beat, he would beat them as well. Obviously, you know, we've never seen Tony Bell you fight at heavyweight as a professional, so. Obviously, it's a bit of a silly um, comparison to do that. You, who really knows? But David Hay has looked himself. He's still got that power. He might even be a little bit more powerful. He seems to really hurt people now. I've seen him hurt. I can't remember which one of his two opponents it was, but he hurt him with jabs. 
But uh, as I say, he, he hasn't fought any world beaters at all. But remember, David Hay himself came up from cruiserweight, but that was many years ago now. He's really kind of um, sunk into the weight properly. Whereas Tony Bellew, remember this, he's just moved up to cruiserweight from light heavyweight. I know that he's, you know, he was killing himself to get down to light heavyweight, but he, you know, he's more comfortable at cruiserweight, of course. But remember, he was making light heavyweight for a number of fights. So, yeah, he's gone from light heavyweight to cruiserweight. And then a couple of fights later, now he's going up to heavyweight. I think he's too too much of a high step in too much of a short time and I think it will be a short night I think it will end in favour of David Hay uh, by knockout as well as I don't think that we can be split on that to be honest but uh, yeah we'll leave that piece of news there as I say you know it's it's probably not going to be the best fight in terms of two matched fighters I don't think it's the, the, the best matched fight in the world but we've just spent that long just talking about that one bit of news so it has captured everybody's imagination and that's why it's going to capture a lot of pound notes so Eyes, is there any more news for us? Nick Blackwell is no longer sedated after being operated on to reduce swelling on his brain. Yeah, I mean, it was a shock. I don't know which gym it happened in or who he sparred with, but this week it's come out that Nick Blackwell went to a gym somewhere and sparred someone. It's all been kind of kept secret, but he was put into hospital again and he'd had to have an operation on his brain again because it, it bled again. So um, I don't know what Nick Blackwell's thinking or what, you know, it's, it's, you know, Nick Blackwell should really care for his own welfare more than the likes of me or anyone else should, you know, you should really, you know, care about yourself. You only get one life. And uh, not only that, but the people that own that gym, the people that were in the gym, why have they allowed that to happen? Firstly, why would anyone want to spar Nick Blackwell? Because you know what can happen if, you know, if he gets into a big, you know, a bit of a war in sparring, you know what can happen. And secondly, you know, who would let this happen in their gym? And I know that there's a lot of people in the business that would never let this happen. So whoever sparred him and whoever let this happen in their gym, everyone who was in attendance, they all need to be named and shamed. They truly do. But um, I don't know if that will happen. You know, it's, it's very unfortunate, you know, really, really has. And I know that Nick Blackwell misses the fight game, the professional fight game so much that he was just dying to spar. And um, he needs to be, you know, he, he can't save himself. So he needs to be saved. He really does. So people should just blacklist him from coming in their gym, you know, because uh, it's a shame. It really is because he's one of the nicest guys in boxing as well. But, you know, we've, you've, it's not about it's not about any of that. When we're talking about health, it's the most important thing. Um, so, yeah, he's got to be saved from himself. And uh, he's really got to think, think what he's doing here because this is bad. You know, he's got a family and he's got a bunch of friends that love him to death. So, uh this is this is stupid stuff there from Nick Blackwell. Can't mince my words, you know, there's no way we can beat it around the bush. That is pure stupidity from him and everybody involved in that. Is there any other news for us, Ayers? No, that's it. Okay. Shame we had to end the news there on a bit of a disappointing note, but it is what it is. There's some good news, there's some bad news, of course. Now, to end part one, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man that in just a matter of days has the biggest fight of his life ahead of him. He'll be fighting for the vacant WBO World Heavyweight title. It's, of course, Mr. Joseph Parker. Joseph, welcome back on the show. It's great to have you back on. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
Hey, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So as I just said, Joe, you're fighting for the WBO uh, World Heavyweight title on December the 10th. You're also, both of you are putting your undefeated records on the line. Somebody's O has got to go. In the other corner stands a man that has shown some promising potential, a range of skills, but he hasn't really fought anybody of note. Of course, I'm talking about Andy Ruiz Jr. Firstly, Joseph, what do you know about him and how excited are you for this huge clash to happen on your home soil of New Zealand? Well, firstly, the opportunity to fight here in New Zealand, it's, uh, for me, it's very exciting because this is home for me. This is, and it's great to be back here. You know, it's, uh, it's already part of history having a, a fight like this here in New Zealand. We've never held a heavyweight world title fight or any world title fight here in New Zealand. So it's, it's about making history. Also, the guy in front of me is a guy who I believe is a dangerous fighter. You know, a lot of people see him and the size and, and sort of the, the condition that he's in. And, and think that he doesn't know how to fight. But when you study him and when you watch his fights and you see his record, now he's undefeated, has been knocked out. He brings a lot of speed, brings a lot of power. And I'm, I'm sure he's taking this fight very seriously because he moved, his, you know, he's moved over to Big Bear with uh, to, train, um, to train with Abel Sanchez. So, I mean, he's, uh, he's gonna, it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a lot of fireworks. Yeah, absolutely. Both of you guys, of course, as I said, undefeated. You're 21 and 0. With 18 knockouts, he's 29 and 0. With 19 knockouts, so somebody's always got to go. As I said, combined record of 50 and 0. That's really exciting. Another big fight on the same night for another version of the heavyweight world title is Anthony Joshua against Eric Molina. Do you have any opinion on that fight at all, Joseph? Yeah, my my um, I'm gonna be interested. I'm gonna be um interested in watching that fight. You know, I'll, I'll be fighting, but then also I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing. How that goes for me personally, my opinion is that um, Anthony Joshua is a great fighter who, who I just think is just on a, a on a little bit of a more on another level than uh, Molina. But um, you know, anything can happen in boxing, and I know that Molina is a fighter who do who does also cause uh, surprises in, in, in some of his fights. So I look forward to seeing that when it is on. But I, I, I'm backing Joshua on that fight. Yeah, I think I think everybody is, to be honest. And a couple of last questions I've got now, just qu- pretty quick questions. I'm not going to push you for a prediction for your fight, but if you prefer to not say so, that's fine. But do you have any kind of yeah. prediction at all? My, I mean, I go into every fight backing myself, and I, I believe in myself and what I could do in the ring. So I know um, deep down inside that I, you know, I feel like I'm, I am going to win. I don't know how I'm going to win or I don't know when, but I feel like I am going to win. And I'm sure he feels the same way because he this is what he wants and he's hungry for it. But... um. No, I, I I believe the training camp's gone well, so I just you know I was just going to leave everything in the ring and see how it goes. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, finally, Joe, the last question I've got for you is because we're all kind of getting into that Christmas spirit now. Providing you win this fight and become the WBO world champion, not overlooking no one, of course. What do you have on your Christmas wish list for 2017? Well, on my uh, Christmas Christmas wish list, I. The only thing I would like to do is spend time with my family and my and my my daughter. Now I have a daughter now, and um, I've I've been pretty pretty busy for the past three years. So for Christmas, I just like to sit down as a family, have a nice meal, just spend quality time with family. I think family time is very important, and it's just it's great for the soul and great for the heart. Absolutely. But in 2017, have you got your eye on anyone? Do you want those big fights with the likes of Joshua? Yeah, hopefully everything goes well here with this fight. Hopefully everything. You no, know, we get the victory and we win. Um, I'm, you know, next year, I would love to fight Joshua. I'd love to fight Deontay Wilder. But I, you know, I, I just got to get past this guy first. And he's still got a, you know, got a lot of things to work on in the gym. So, so those are the fights that we'd love to have, love to have next year. Yeah, of course, of course. And finally, Joseph, any final words for the UK fans that are listening? Uh, just thank you guys for the support. I know that I'm getting a lot of support there. Also, um, no, thank you guys for backing boxing. You know, boxing is a, 
is growing here in New Zealand. But I know it's a big sport there because you guys hold a lot of champions. So I look forward to you know, coming here in the near future and um, displaying what I have. And, and hopefully I get to meet a lot of the, support that, of the supporters that I have there. Absolutely. I'm sure everybody would be happy to hear that. Okay, listen, Joseph, it was a pleasure to have you on our show last time. It's been a pleasure this time as well. I sincerely wish you all the best of luck for the 10th. And God willing, next time we speak, I'll be speaking to the new WBO heavyweight champion of the world. Thanks, brother. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, is the preview part where we preview the fights coming up this week. Now, we're going to start with a fight card that's happening over in Russia. This one's on the Friday. Uh, Top of the bill over there, Denis Shafikov. Now, Denis Shafikov, in his last fight, he beat Jamel Herring, a friend of the show. And um, his record at the moment is 37 wins, two losses and one draw. And he takes on Richard Comey. Now, Richard Comey's 24-1 with 22 knockouts. His last fight and his only loss was a split decision to Robert Easter Jr. That one was for the world title. So, Richard Comey, he's on, you know, he's, he's back out again. And it's not been too long since that loss. You know, Richard Comey, he doesn't like to waste time. He really doesn't. So, he's lost that fight there, which was a close, close fight where he had his opponent down, Robert Easter Jr., during that fight. And Robert Easter Jr. has just been sitting feet up. He's going to have a nice Christmas. But, no, Richard Comey's out again. And, of course, he's a knockout artist. And he's in a big, uh, real tough fight here against Denis Shafikov, of course, in Russia, in the native of Denis Shafikov. So he may need a knockout, but I tell you what, if anybody can knock Denis Shafikov out, it is Richard Comey. So that one really will be a good fight. That's a 12-rounder at lightweight. It's not for any kind of title, but that one will be a good fight. Also on the Friday, but over now in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, at a place called the Sam's Town Hotel and Gambling Hall. Those are my types of venues. Top of the bill, Ashley Fearfane. He looks to pick up his 40th career win. His record at the moment, 39 wins, seven losses and one draw. He takes on Yakubu Amidu, who has a record of 21 wins, eight losses and two draws. I've got to be honest, I don't know who he is, but I wish Ashley Fearfane all the best. He's a Brit and he's part of the money team and we're behind him. He's been on the show before. He's a nice, nice guy. Also on that bill, I should mention Kevin Newman is on that card. So he looks to pick up a win there. And Morris Lee, he looks to move to 8-0. He's in a six-rounder at welterweight on that bill. Uh, that's it for Las Vegas, Nevada. We're now going to go over to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. This card also on the Friday. It is the last bill to mention on the Friday. Top of the bill, Tevin Farmer. I don't have to say he's a friend of the show. He's been on so many times. Uh, he puts his NABF super featherweight title on the line against Dardan Zenunaj. And Dardan Zenunaj has a record of 12 wins, two losses. And Tevin Farmer, of course, 23 wins, four losses, and the one draw. So all the best to Tevin Farmer, although I don't think he'll need all the best luck. Now we're moving over to Saturday. Okay, so Saturday, the 3rd of December, over in Bulgaria, there's one fight to mention over there. Uh, Kubrat Pulev, he is fighting on this bill. He's fighting for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Heavyweight title. It's a 12-rounder, of course. Kubrat Pulev, 23-1. and He fights Samuel Peter, who has a record of 36-5. and Now, Samuel Peter, of course, former heavyweight king, has had two fights of course he was retired for a while he's had two fights in the last five years both of those fights he's won by uh, by knockout or by stoppage 
but they've been against proper journeymen. So he's in there in Bulgaria, in the backyard of Pulev, and he's he's all up against it, to be honest here. I think he's going to get knocked out, and hopefully we don't see him fight again because, you know, he's been around for way too long now. And as I say, his last proper fight was five years ago where he got beaten up and he lost. So um, he shouldn't really be fighting, but... Hey, it is what it is, you know. He's he's back in there again. It's it's a big name, I suppose, for Pulev's record, but it's one that he's just gonna beat and beat well, I think. So Pulev will probably move to twenty four and one and this time next week we'll be telling you about that. But that's it for Bulgaria. We're now gonna move over to Germany. One fight to mention over here, just top of the bill, Vincent Feigenbutz. He fights for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Super Middleweight title against Michael Keita. Now Michael Keita has a record of twenty one wins and three losses. Feigenbutz has a record of 24 and two. He should get the job done here, to be honest, pretty easily. And also on the bill, we mentioned Lomachenko. This is his last opponent, the guy who he beat for the WBO world title, the one that he had on the line last week. So uh, the guy he just beat for that title, Roman Martinez, he fights over in Puerto Rico and Roman Martinez takes on Ronaldo Ojeda. Now, Ronaldo Ojeda, I believe he's been out of the ring for about 12 months, but he's got a tasty record, 18-0 and 0 with nine knockouts, unbeaten. Roman Martinez, 29-3 and 3 with the three draws. Martinez should get the job done here, but it's a bit of a test. We don't know too much about Ronaldo Ojeda. So all the best of luck to both boys there. But it should be a good fight, that one. Um, that's it for Puerto Rico. We're now moving over to Russia. Just one fight or two fights on this bill to mention. Denis Lebedev, he puts his WBA super world cruiserweight title on the line and his IBF world cruiserweight title on the line. So he is the main man at cruiserweight. It's, you know, that's, that's, there's no one who can argue with that. Tony Bell, you may have the WBC belt, but Lebedev is the main man. He's got two of the other major belts. His record 29 and two. He takes on Murat Gassiev, who has a record of 23-0. and 0. And I tell you what, he has gone under the radar. Gassiev is a decent, decent fighter. He really is. So this one should be a bit of a bang-up. He can bang as well, Gassiev. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that fight. It really is. Over in Moscow, Russia, at the Kondinka Ice Palace. Another type of venue that I go for. It really is. Also on that bill, Dmitry Kudryashov, his record 19-1. and one. He takes on Santanda Silgado, 27-3. and three. This one's for the vacant WBC Silver Cruiserweight title, so Kudryashov is a good fighter, we know that. And the last bill to mention now, we tried to fly through this as quick as we could, at the Lagoon Leisure Centre in Paisley, Scotland, United Kingdom. I think um, Frank Warren has put on three shows in seven days, okay? Or three shows in eight days. On the Friday of last week, he put on a card over in Essex, UK, uh, you know, England. And on the Saturday, he had a card in Wales. And now... This week coming on the Saturday, this one, of course, the 3rd of December, he's, he's got a card in Scotland. So Wales, Scotland and England, three different shows, three different territories, all in eight days. So great stuff there. He's keeping himself busy, Frank Warren, and it's just a bit of a warm up for what he's got to do next year with BT Sport behind him. All those fight cards that we've been promised. Uh, top of the bill over here, Billy Joe Saunders, he puts his WBO world middleweight title on the line. It's long awaited this. It's almost been a year since he won it. Almost a year. It's about 
it's about nine days before the actual year it has been since he won that belt against Andy Lee. That really good fight, actually. The Billy Joe Saunders, 23 and 0, and his opponent, Artur Akavov, 16 and 1. He should get the job done relatively easy here against Akavov. Um, you know, he hasn't been in any great fights or anything like that, and he hasn't been at this level. So Billy Joe Saunders should really get the job done. But is the inactivity going to be a problem? I think probably not. Also on the bill, Jack Catterall, and it's exciting because Frank Warren signing. Tyrone Nurse and Jack Catterall was the mandatory for Tyrone Nurse's British title and he chose to not take that fight Jack Catterall because he had just changed trainers and he wasn't ready for that fight just yet so him signing with Frank Warren would make you think that they're going to try and you know work that fight out but Jack Catterall here defending his WBO intercontinental super lightweight title against Diego Gonzalo Luque so Jack Catterall, 16-0 and at the moment. Luque with a record of 20-3 and with the one draw. Also on this bill, Stephen Ormond. He looks to pick up his 23rd career win. His record 22-3 and at the moment. He takes on Zoltan Sazabo. He's, he's not a great fighter. I've seen him fight before. And this well, this one's just to end his year on a high because he's been on a few roller coaster journeys this year, Stephen Ormond. Also on the bill, John O'Carroll. He looks to move to 13-0. and And finally, former world champion Paul Butler. He's gone kind of quiet since he lost his world title. He really, really has. He seems to not really be making much noise, and people kind of forget. He just gets packed on these undercards. I feel a bit sorry for him. He's a class fighter, and hopefully we see him back at that world level very soon. But his record at the moment, 22-1. and He's fighting at bantamweight here, and he takes on Alexander Cazares, who has a record of 13-7. and So it should be a routine, easy win here for Paul Butler. But we wish him all the best. And all the best to all the guys that we've spoke about on the preview part of this week's show. Best of luck to everybody in the big fights this weekend. But that's really it for the preview. And we've done all the talking about this weekend just there. That's really it for the preview. And so before we end part two, before we end the show, essentially, we've got one last thing to do. And that, of course, is to welcome our second guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Doncaster's answer to the BFGs, the colourful and charismatic heavyweight Dave Allen. Dave, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on. Thanks a lot, mate. Good to be back. Yeah, excellent stuff, man. My pleasure. So, Dave, last time we spoke, it was the week of the Dillian White fight. At that point, there was a little bit of needle between you both. You went on to lose for the first time in your career in that one, and now you seem to be best of mates. How's that all come about? Yeah, you know... um... The needle, you know, as you call it, it wasn't it wasn't really there, you know, it definitely wasn't there on my part, you know, um, and to get the fight, you know, I, I know I had to I know I had to poke him, you know, you have to poke the bear with the stick kind of thing to get a reaction. So I, I kind of uh, got Dilly and I kind of wound up a little bit, you know, to get the fight made. And um, you know, since the fight, like I said, yeah, we worked together a lot, you know, we sparred, uh, I sparred for the Lewiston fight, and now I sparred for the Chisora fight, and then this option, this opportunity came up for me, and uh, I took it, you know, so. You know, there's no one better to it than Dilly. You know, he's a top follower and you know, he's a top fighter, and he's getting better every time. I, every time I share a ring with him, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very, I'm very fortunate that you know what's what's come from that fight. You know, I did, I lost the fight, but you know, I've gained a lot more from it. You know, and uh, you know, yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy to be, to be working alongside him. You know, for this fight. Excellent stuff. And also, Dillian's in a big fight on the same card as you against Derek Chisora. Now, in my opinion, this is a complete, complete 50-50 fight. I find it really hard to pick a winner out of those two. What are your thoughts on that one, Dave? You know, I think, 
I think Chisora from a few years ago would go into this as the favourite. Um, you know, I don't think Dillian, I still don't think Dillian, you know, is hundred percent of what he can be. You know, I still think he's on his way up. I think Derek's on his way down. So I'd make Dillian a favourite. Um, you know, I still don't believe he's shown what he can do in the ring. You know, he boxed himself. I don't believe either was showed our true colours that night. But you know, he's getting better all the time. I do think Derek's on the way down. So you know, I have to make Dillian the favourite in this fight. You know, but Derek's very tough. He's been he's been at the very highest level. You know, so. You know, if you made Derek the favourite off the back of that, you know, you, you couldn't really argue it. But, you know, I think at this time in the careers, you know, one man's on the way up, one's on the way down, and I only see one winner. Okie dokie, fair point. Now, the reason that you're here, of course, is because you're set to fight the so-called most avoided heavyweight boxer in the world, uh, that being Luis Ortiz. That's on December the 10th on the Joshua Molina undercard. Now, Dave, you'll know that yes, you'll know this yourself, that this guy, despite his last fight where he won every round against Malik Scott, but he didn't look impressive, he's truly a class fighter. Um, you're known as a guy that does stand there and fight without giving away any kind of game plan or anything like that. Most people would say that, most people would say, it's not me saying but if you was to stand there and trade that, that it wouldn't end well for you will we see you standing and trading throughout this fight Dave? Well first and foremost you know the Malik Scott fight Malik Scott is still a top heavyweight you know with, with great skills you know what you say we're going about got great skills he's definitely at the top I've put him definitely in the top 30 you know Ortiz dropped him three times and, and didn't drop around so it, to call that a disappointing night you know um, that, that shows what people expected him but I look at the the Jennings fight, the Thompson fight, two very good fighters, especially Brian Jennings. I, I believe he's a high, I rate him very highly. And um, so, I think for me to, you know, I am known to to come forward and, and be aggressive. But you know, when tactics against Luis Ortiz, you know, your chin can be as good as, as it wants, be as tough as you want, as strong as you want. But Ortiz has got very fast hands, but he's got very slow feet. So, for me to go in there and think that I'm gonna soak up everything Ortiz is going to give me and, and, and come on strong. You know, I learned Dillian White back. That's not always the case. Um, I think Ortiz is a bit of a step up from the Dillian White that I boxed at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not going to give too many tactics away, but at the same time, you know, I'm appreciative that, you know, Ortiz does it. You know, my, my chin is good, but, you know, Ortiz, it's hard enough to knock anywhere great in the world. You know, it only takes one hit and, and you're gone, so... I'm going in there. I want to be excited, but at the same time, I've got to go in there and I've got to think about um, the, the, what gives me the best chance of winning the fight, what gives me the best chance of um, having success. And, and I, I think I've got to use a slow feet against him. You know, I can move, I can box. I, I've not shown it in, in the ring competitively, but, you know, I can do that. So, you know, when the bell goes and there's 21,000 people in there screaming and shouting, you know, it might, I might just resort to type and, 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 and just get stuck in. So, you know, we'll, we'll only see on the night. I'm happy to hear you say that. I really am. And what's your thoughts on the main event, Joshua against Molina? I know that um, you've given Joshua a, a few, and myself, to be honest, we've given him some constructive criticism before. Uh, this opponent, not everyone's too happy with. How do, how do you see this fight playing out? I think Aaron Molina's a lot better than people give him credit for. Um, you know, he's tough. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a big guy by the looks of things. He, he, he seems to be able to punch. You know, he brought Terry Hall before Terry Hall turned the tables on him and got him out of there. So, so he can definitely punch a little bit, and he definitely it's hard enough to knock Joshua out. I'm not saying Joshua's got a bad chin or whatever else, but, you know, Molina, he's shown that he can, he's done damage to uh, all the top heavyweights, you know, durable heavyweight in Ariel Hall. So it's hard enough to knock Joshua out. I think he's very underrated. I don't think it's a terrible fight. I just don't think Molina's... You know, when we were there in... 
possibility of the Klitschko fight, you know, definitely the Klitschko fight, even the Parker fight. Millions have come down a bit of a disappointment, but Anderson Paul's can fight. I think I think it'll definitely be competitive. You know, I see Joshua winning, but I, I think it's going to be competitive. And I think for Joshua, you know, um, from Dillian, the Dillian that he boxed, like I said, he's not the Dillian White right now. You know, I don't think Dillian was properly trained for that fight. You know, and he was Charles Martin Brizio. Millions is a definite step up and, Going from Martin Brizial to Klitschko wouldn't be a good move in my eyes, so I'm kind of glad that we've gone for Molina now. I think it's a good step up. So, you know, I'm happy with the fight, but, you know, as a, if I was a paying fan, obviously I'd rather see uh, Klitschko or Parker. So I, I, can, I can see it from both ways. As you mentioned just there, Joseph Parker, we had him on the show earlier. So this week's show is uh, Dave Allen and Joseph Parker. Um, he's fighting on the same night against Andy Ruiz Jr. Well, in the morning because of the big time difference. Of course, that one's for the WBO vacant world title. Have you got any opinion on that one at all? I kind of see Ruiz winning that fight. Um, going from the tack on fight, I think Ruiz is, you know, is tough. Um I think if Parker can't get him out of there, really, I see Ruiz coming on strong. You know, Ruiz, even though in the past he's not looked in the best of shape, you know, he's a fighting man, you know, he, he's a natural fighter, naturally fit. Um, and Parker on the tack on, you know, Parker on the tack on fight, well, it looked like a spent force on that ball. I was, even though he's very, he was, he's very tough and he, he kept letting his hands on, he never, he never looked like faltering. But at the same time, I think if Ruiz can force the pace, I think, I think he can uh, beat Parker. Okay, so you pick in uh, Ruiz on that one, yeah? I would pick Ruiz, but I would like to see Parker win. You know, he's very young. Uh, I, I think he'd be, uh, I think he'd be very good for the sport if Parker won. Okay, doke. And also this week it's been made. I thought I'd get your opinion on this one as well. Hay against Bell, you a bit of a weird one, but it's come out for the fourth of March. How do you see that one playing out? Yeah, I would say it's a mismatch, but I think that I think that's too strong a word. You know, when you put in. Um, you know when one is when one is a WBC world champion, you know. But I just think Hay, I just think Hay is better than Bellew in every in every way. You know, Spar Bellew is very good, top fighter. You know, the world champion. But I think Hay is elite. You know, that's the same. We've even said David Hay is elite, and he doesn't believe that Bellew is. And I kind of the same thing. I think Bellew is brilliant. But you know, to be elite, I think you've got to be like one of the very very best in the world. And I think David Hay, David Hay was that. You know, that's the only that's the only question mark here. Whether David Hay is still the fight that it was, but you know, even if he's uh, only 90% of what he was, I, I would expect him to beat value, you know. So, um, you know, they'll sell the fight very well. You know, the boxing, the boxing public, the people will, will lap it up. I'm sure it'll do very well, num- very good numbers on the pay-per-view. So, you know, good luck to them both. Yeah, I have to agree. And um, finally, Dave, your honest prediction, yeah. if you have one, for your fight coming up. Yeah, you know, the book is um, the book has got me a 16 to 1 outsider, or two is 100 to 1 on. So that kind of tells you the story of, you know, if we're looking at this on paper, you know, it is a mismatch. We have to, you know, I have to be honest about things. I can't do it any other way, you know. And he's got better wins. His wins are better than my loss, which, you know, tells a story. But I think that only tells half the story, you know. Um, I've got all the ability in the world, you know, I truly believe I've got all the ability to get to world level, you know, uh, despite us coming early. But, I don't have the backing, you know, I don't have the backing to get the fights that I possibly need before a fight like this, you know, and um, I'm taking this fight as a risk, not taking it for the most money in the world, I'm taking it, you know, because I believe if I win, you know, I can get, them, I can get the opportunity for, for some for some real backing, so um, I'm a big outsider, but I believe I'm a live outsider uh, in this fight, I wouldn't ever take a fight if I didn't believe I could win, you know, while, while I know how big the task is. I, I 100% believe I can win the fight and um, 
you know, and as long as as long as I'm in there and you know I'm still in there, I'll be I'll be giving it my best shot, and, and that's 100. percent Absolutely. I appreciate your honesty, Dave. And also, as you said, it only tells half the story. On paper, it's a mismatch, you know, but it, fights aren't won on paper, as you already know. Listen, Dave, I sincerely hope you beat Ortiz. I'll be cheering for you to get the win no matter what. I appreciate you giving us a bit of time this week and we'll catch up after your fight, no doubt. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 59 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A special thanks to our two guests on this week's show, Dave the White Rhino Allen and Joseph Parker. I wish them both the best of luck for the 10th of December, both in big fights. As always, the biggest thanks of all goes out to the listeners. I hope your ears have enjoyed this boxing freebie. It's December the 1st and the Christmas spirit is in the air. Just two more regular shows before we deliver the Christmas special on the 22nd of December. So look out for that. Myself and the elusive Ayaz will be back next week with another big show. As always, enjoy your weekends and we'll see you next week.